0: Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Al D. This is a show designed for aspiring current and former MBAs looking for advice on how you can grow your career through an MBA degree. During each episode, I'll talk to MBA students, graduates and leaders about the MBA experience, navigating the workplace and career development, so you can learn how to develop and achieve your own version of career success through an MBA and beyond. Welcome to the NBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the NBA Insider Podcast and the founder of NBASchool.com. Today's episode is a replay episode from one of the top performing episodes of all time. This is a conversation I had with Jody Interfield in 2021. Jody is a friend of the NBA Insider Podcast, someone who has guest hosted on the show. And in this conversation, Jody and I talked about her journey after graduating from Ross and some of the lessons that she's learned about life, about career, about navigating the workplace and about defining success for herself. This is a great conversation, really timely for anyone who has just recently graduated from business school. So make sure to listen in and hear Jody's story. First and foremost, Jody, um, thank you so much for joining me. I do want to start just with a warm up question because I always love giving one. And I know I've asked you this before, but I want to hear it again. So you have to pick one song from Hamilton. Just um, one. What is it?
1: I... God, Everyone's getting their vaccine. So it's got to be my shot. That's like the, <laughs> the, that's like the theme song right now. So I'm just, I will, do not throw away your shot.
0: Please don't. PSA. Do not throw away your shot. We are not licensed medical professionals. That would but, be a
1: great PSA. Like, I don't know why. There's not that I watch cable, but there should be commercials.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: vaccine PSAs.
0: Yeah. Hamilton, if you're listening to this, Manuel, like if you're listening to this, take Jody's advice. We need a PSA on taking a vaccine. I love that. Okay. Go back in the time machine, Jody, with me. Take me back to your MBA graduation. And we were just talking. This is like your five year anniversary. So take me back five years. What was on your mind? What were you thinking about?
1: I remember being really upset. <laughs> Like actually quite devastated to leave Michigan. So yeah, I went to Michigan Ross, graduated in twenty sixteen, and I think our graduation's in April, end of April, which is like really crazy early for any school. But also when you're hoping that your business school experience won't ever end, it's particularly jarring to have it end in April. I think it had like snowed the week before or something. Remember that was. It's it's Michigan in April, so any weather goes. But anyway, I remember being really sad to leave because I had built such great friendships, I had learned so much, I had such a wonderful experience. But I also didn't have a job lined up, which I think is not the experience anyone expects to find themselves in when they're graduating from business school. It's like you go to business school to get a job, and most people have their job lined up. If not at the end of their first uh, internship, then definitely by fall, but I didn't have a job lined up. So I think I was also really nervous to graduate because I was like, Oh damn, like I got to put the pedal to the metal on my recruiting. Cause I was looking to do just in time recruiting. And so graduation day meant it was time to look because now I could start a job at any time. It's a little frightening.
0: Sure. Sure. So you graduate, you don't have a job, but your job searching What happened next? How did you work through that?
1: I decided to give myself a little bit of grace. So I did one of our post MBA trips. We did a trip to Israel. So a bunch of Israeli students every year plan I track, Israel track. And so it's like MBA birthright trip basically. And so I went to Israel for a week and a half with my classmates and then stayed a little bit longer with my family. So I gave myself like three or like a month basically to have my post MBA hurrah. And then came back to my mom's house in New Jersey and really, yeah, put the pedal to the metal on recruiting. So I, again, just in time recruiting, I was looking for product marketing roles. And I had been looking the whole year. I don't want it to sound like I didn't do any recruiting until I graduated. I had done a ton of outreach, a ton of, uh, informational interviews and virtual coffee chats with people to really understand what is a product marketing role, what type of company I might be interested in. I did apply to companies throughout my fall and spring, but the what I had heard from recruiters is call us when you're when you've graduated. So I did, I reached back out to some of the recruiters that I had been in contact with. And I think by that point in the year and in my job search, I had really narrowed down where I thought I would be successful. So I knew I wanted product marketing, but I also knew that it would be a really hard uphill battle to get just any product marketing job because I was making this career change. I had been in human resources before business school. So at that point, I had narrowed my search down primarily the HR tech companies or other companies that were selling into any sort of human resources buyer because I knew that I could probably really position myself well because I had been in HR. Um, So I applied to a bunch of companies and. Actually, really quickly got a couple of interviews and so did some phone screens and then I had actually been looking at companies in San Francisco because that's where I wanted to be after school. And this was obviously pre-pandemic. So doing a an interview over Zoom or Google Hangouts was not the thing. So I for final rounds was flying out to San Francisco. So for I think it was two different companies. I flew out to San Francisco. I think I was like in San Francisco one week, back in New Jersey back to San Francisco another week doing these final round interviews. One company paid for the trip. The other company didn't. And I had to pay my own way, which is a fun thing to do when you're just totally broke and just graduated from business school. But yeah, I actually very luckily was able to find a job within about a month and a half of, of uh, my search in after graduation. So by early July, I had signed an offer. And by August 1st, I was out in San Francisco getting started at work.
0: That's great. And I'm just curious because so many people not only make career changes, but they also make geographic changes. We think a classic example is you in terms of working in tech. Tech obviously has a lot of jobs in Silicon Valley and you moved out to the Bay Area, but I know other people are making geographic changes as well. And also just given where you were in life, moving to the West Coast for the first time, would love to maybe know what was your experience like? not only just with the career change, but also just with making a life change in terms of living on a new coast, um, living in a brand new city? How did that experience go?
1: I would say the location change was probably more jarring than the career change interesting because Cut. i am a new yorker and so it was very much a bit of a this is going to sound naive but a bit of a culture shock going to san francisco i remember very clearly so i didn't have the clipper card the bus pass basically when i had first moved to san francisco and so i had to take an uber to the office and i get out of the uber and they drop me off out there at the office which is on sixth and market which if you're familiar with san francisco like. That's like a block from the Tenderloin. It's like the grittiest part of San Francisco. And this was my second day in San Francisco. And they dropped me off on this corner. And I was like, what the hell did I do? Where am I living? What is this place? And so it was just a very different experience, both like the city of San Francisco. And then also, I think, West Coast culture, New York and East Coast, very direct, very to the point. Can't tell it like it is. That is not the way most uh, people outside of the East Coast are. And so I think that made it particularly interesting, especially in a workplace culture, to really learn how to adapt what I saw as a strength, which is just saying it is, speaking your mind, so you can not in any sort of negative way, but just because transparency is a good thing. Yeah, that didn't fly very well. (laughs) So I really had to quickly adapt and adjust. And I think I also... I, th- I remember very clearly, like, the transition to Michigan from New York was just so seamless for me. And I was like, oh, I can do this. I can live outside of the tri-state area. This is fine. And then going to San Francisco, I was like, wait, no. I realized how East Coast, Ann Arbor, and the University of Michigan really are. So I think, yeah, so I had some learning to do in terms of living and working in a different place. Again, I feel like only New Yorkers will truly understand that everyone else is going to be like, this girl is naive
0: yeah anyway. no so one thing one thing and no I, I totally hear that and I would be curious to know because like you're good to, to the point you made Ann Arbor it definitely is different than New York City Correct. for sure and so there's an adjustment there what was it about the transition from Ann Arbor to San Francisco that was so different than maybe the transition from New York to Ann Arbor because granted Ann Arbor and San Francisco are yeah. different like They're what
1: different.
0: yeah what was that yeah what was that oh, like?
1: I think that Ann Arbor, yeah, it's not Manhattan, it's not New York City in the sense that like a much smaller town. But this, there are a lot of similarities. It is very cosmopolitan. It is there's a lot of East Coast transplants. I think I don't know what the statistics are about the number of students that move from the East Coast to go for undergrad or grad school, but there's a lot, and so. I think also when you're in school, you're in a different a bit of a it's a different mindset, right? You're in a learning mindset. You're in an open-minded, soak up all of the the different things that you're learning from different people. And whereas when I'm at work, I'm like get shit done mode. I'm like, let's here. Here's my list of things that have to get done. Who do I talk to? Who do I work with? I have a very direct and driven personality and I think the west coast even though it is a bit more passive and laid back and so I think it was more that my I had to learn how to adapt my style and my working style to fit the people that I was now surrounded by and then on top of that San Francisco and California are just totally different places. I remember the first time it rained in San Francisco and like people weren't decided to work from home because it was raining. (laughs) It's like what? (laughs) Just because of the rain. Yeah. So again, just a very different mindset and mentality. And again, anybody who hasn't lived in San Francisco is like, what? Yeah. It's just different. You know, sure. If it snowed there, the city would really be in trouble.
0: Oh, for sure. No, for sure. No, and I grew up in upstate New York, so I yeah, I, t- so you I totally, yeah, I totally get it. And one of the things, though, that I'm curious uh, because I moved to San Francisco after I graduated from business school as well, and I'm not sure if this is just part of just growing up, and because we were about the same age when we graduated business school. But uh, one of the things I find interesting is that one of the best kept secrets of your 20s is that it's really hard to make friends. And so one of the things that strikes me as I think about your transition to Ann Arbor. And similarly, for that matter, my transition to Chapel Hill is that number one, they're communities. But number two, you started with 400 peers and I started with 280 peers. But then when you make this move from business school to uh, a new city and going back into the working world, I'm sure you had classmates who moved out to San Francisco, Mm -hmm. but you're not like everyone's going their separate ways. And so just this idea that when you're going back when you're graduating from business school and moving on it's like continuing to build those relationships like you don't have that built in like oh. it's it's not there and particularly it's one thing if you're returning maybe to uh, where if you had gone back to New York I presume. But even like maybe your friends may have moved on. And and I'm just curious of what that experience was like for you, just in terms of not only just cementing yourself in your life, Hmm. post-business school and work and things, but also just in terms of being in a new city, being in a place you hadn't lived before, building friendships and maintaining friendships, what was that like? Or, and yeah. what did that play into it?
1: You bring up a really good point, which is moving to Ann Arbor was very different because of the community that you're dropped into. Mm-hmm. And moving to San Francisco was never going to be the same because I wasn't yeah. there for school. So luckily, one of the reasons I chose Michigan was because of just the alumni are all over. So I think we had 30 or 40 from my class alone, move out to San Francisco. So immediately, yes, you do have a built in group of people. But at the same time, you're also going your own ways. Some of those people had lived there before, were going back to their old lives and routines. Others of us were there for the first time. And so maybe we're creating more of a tight knit community. It was also the first time I grew up in the New York area, went to college here, was here until I went to business school. And so moving to San Francisco was the first time I moved someplace semi-permanently, right, without an end date in mind, where I didn't have family, where I didn't have anybody super close to me. And so that was definitely a big adjustment for me. And so I, you're right, had to do a big mix of leverage, really leaning on the friends that I had made in business school, reaching out to people from other parts of my life that maybe I wasn't close with. We're in the same city now, let's hang out. So people from college or people from previous jobs. And then attempting to make new friends did things like join a temple join different try and talk to people during workout classes i met somebody in an uber pool who this is a good story al yes, this how i met al yeah um, i was in an uber pool and the car got cut off by someone and the woman in the front seat was like oh that's i that was a real new york driver move and i was like oh i'm a new yorker and so we started talking, and she had this happy hour that she was setting up for ex-New Yorkers. I went to that happy hour. I met somebody else. She invited me one weekend to Dolores Park. And uh, at this very random hangout in Dolores Park, I met Al. I think when you're moving to a new city in your 20s or 30s, like you just have to say yes to things yeah, and be open to very random experiences. And sure. Uh, talk to people that you might not normally uh, talk to. I think it's really easy to get into an Uber or a Lyft and keep to yourself. But it, it does change the dynamic of of making a move. In later in life, you do have to be more open, um, sure. because otherwise, yeah, it can be a very lonely existence if you just try and go to work and come home every day.
0: No, it it can, and I I think particularly if you're someone, I think maybe like you or maybe like me, who has always had a cohort or community of friends around and really values that in their life. And I was in a situation where when I graduated from college, I lived in the same city where I went to college. And Mm -hmm. so I was very fortunate that a lot of my friends just naturally stuck around. And I was in the fall, I was going back for tailgates. Mm -hmm. I was going back to campus in the fall to recruit at my undergrad. And um, the transition out of college to life was, it was a transition, but I had built in friends and yeah. built in relationships. But I remember when I moved to San Francisco, after I graduated from business school, uh, I didn't necessarily have that same luxury. And it was something where I really had to work at it and to really build this new community of, of friends. And I, I was, yeah, go ahead.
1: Can I ask why you chose San Francisco?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think two, a couple things. Number one, like you, I think up until business school, I had lived my entire life in the Northeast. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I knew there was more out there and I had traveled a little bit, but like I had never lived anywhere else. And so I, I did intentionally apply to business schools that were not in the Northeast for mm-hmm. that reason.
1: Same. I did the same exact thing.
0: Yeah. And I, and because I just, I didn't know where I wanted to end up. But what I told myself was that I don't want to have any later on. I wish I would have lived here. I wish I Mm -hmm. could have explored there. I wish I would have known what that was like. And so that was part of why I chose to not only go to business school in the South, but also to move to the West Coast. And I also very much knew going back into consulting that I was not going to be doing it forever. And if I were to gun to my head, pick an industry that I might be interested in going into after it, Tech was going to be that industry, and that's not a bad place to to be. But the one thing that I would say is that prior to business school, one of the things I, I was on a project out in, the, in in San Francisco for four months, and mm. I flew there like every week. And I remember. Maybe this was like 2012, like visiting my friends for a weekend in December. And there was like, it was like when SantaCon was back when that was still a thing for us. But I remember getting my friend at the time with my best friend, I was staying with him. He's okay, you got to try this new thing. It's this app where these people like pick you up in this car with a (laughs) big mustache. And it was Lyft, right? Like it was like, that was when Lyft was starting, just starting off. And I just remember just like going there that weekend and many of the other weekends and just being like, this seems like a really um fun place to live with a lot of people who are my age, who are seem very, you know, motivated by their careers and seem really interesting to be around. And that was something that kind of also piqued my interest. I think like the interesting thing about it was all those things were true, but the nuance there that I didn't really grasp until I lived there after business school was that. All of those things are there but you really have to put in the work. Oh yeah. If you want to build those relationships and we have a lot of mutual friends now but my my friends and I always joke that like more or less like the only reason that we hang out is because or at least to started hanging out was because I literally was just willing people to come together. But part of the reason why was because I tried so many different things when I first moved to San Francisco to try to make friends and it was looking back I can probably say it was just part of the process. But in the moment, I just kept thinking to myself, like, why does no one exactly like well, it, I'm normal?
1: <laughs> it, it's really hard, and I think San Francisco is an interesting place to to go after business school because there's this weird mix of people who there are some people who grew up in the Bay Area, not really necessarily San Francisco, so they have connections there, and I think it's probably very similar to the New York area where if you grew mm-hmm. up outside of it, you go and you live in the city, but you still have so you have lots of connections. And it can be hard to break into it. And then you have a bunch of people who moved there from other places form. When have they, they form their tight knit group of people? And then that's it. And then it's also, yeah, we're this is turning into a whole like San Francisco.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. But so Spoiler on that, right,
1: I'm not there anymore. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, on that notion, though, I would love to uh, leading the witness here. We'd love to ask you more. You've been at the same company now for a couple of years, but making the move from uh, startup to big tech. Could you talk a little bit more about how that happened, and maybe start with that day in the the part in, in the Park? park.
1: Because, yeah, the day in yeah. the park. Um, so I had been at a startup for about seven months, and I just wasn't feeling it anymore. I was at a startup before business school as well, when I was in human resources and just a very, it, I, both the companies when I joined were in a similar stage, similar size, but this was just a very different experience. And I just wasn't feeling it. And yeah, I remember Al talking to you. I'm really not so into this. I've been looking at other things like Salesforce seems cool. Anyone knowing what it's Salesforce? And I was like, yeah, this is Jason. Hi. And so I had done a lot of, again, when I was in business school, I had a lot of conversations with people in product marketing. And it's really funny, because I remember applying to the internship at Salesforce, but then resume going into a black hole. And at the time, when I was looking at jobs in business school, I was like, it needs to be a product I'm really passionate about. And or like an industry that I'm really like jazzed about something exciting. And so a CRM just didn't sound like it was going to scratch that itch. But after... Being in product marketing for a bit, I was like, you know what, I think I, what, what I missed, what I didn't love about being at a startup was when there was something I didn't know how to do, I had to Google it. <laughs> I had to go look it up. I had to go, because there there was one other product marketer who was great, but there was only so, if there were things the company had never done before, we had to just go figure it out. And I really wanted to learn from other people. I really wanted to be surrounded by people who were the best at what they did and who were setting the bar and raising the bar for other people. And what I do know, or what I did know about Salesforce at the time was that that was like where market, that was like the place for marketers. And so the move to Salesforce and a big tech company for me was about a couple of things. It was about learning from other people and having other really smart marketers to to set the, to raise the bar and to learn from. It was also about Building expertise in different parts of product marketing. So when you're at a startup, in any job at a startup, you do everything. You're a generalist. You have to wear all the hats. Whereas in a big company like Salesforce, you really can specialize, right? You can just become an expert in content, just become an expert in messaging, just become an expert in events. And so and building that expertise makes you marketable in your career. And the third thing I was really looking for at the time was I didn't want to leave again. <laughs> right? If you think about where I was at this point, I had interviewed for my internships, I had interviewed for my first job at a business school, and now I was interviewing again for something else. I didn't want to have to do that again. I didn't want to have to start from scratch just because I got bored or wanted to try something different. I really wanted to be at a place where if I decided at some point that I wanted to try something else, that I can move internally, that I could leverage my reputation to make my next move as opposed to having to start from scratch. Those three things made a company like Salesforce really compelling. And I have been able to do all that. I have been able to learn from other smart people to really develop expertise in different areas. And then I'm on my third really job at Salesforce in almost four years. And those changes have either been completely organic or a role opens. And I'm just like, hey, I'm interested. And they're like, okay, come can do it. Which mm-hmm. is pretty unique.
0: Hey there, it's Al. And thanks so much for listening to the NBA Insider Podcast. I wanted to take a quick break to ask you a small favor. I'm loving doing this show, and I hope you're enjoying it too. If you're enjoying this episode, I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes to leave a review and rate this podcast on Apple or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or simply share it on social media or send it to a friend. I'm incredibly grateful for your support. Thank you. And let's get back to the show. That's, thank you for sharing that. And I would be curious, as just as a follow-up to that, if you think back five years ago to when you graduated versus where you are now, did it play out how you thought it was going to play out?
1: Oh, I don't even need to have you fi- finish the sentence. The answer is no. <laughs> um Not at all. But then again, I don't know what I was thinking.
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think when you're in business school, you envision your quote unquote dream job or where you want to go. And what you fail to do is realize that nobody makes it there in one move. And it's Mm -hmm. really hard to visualize what those steps are. It's really hard, especially when you're making a career change and you're trying to go into this career that's totally new to you. You have no idea what exactly the steps are or the skills are that are going to take to get you there and i think no i don't think there's a single part of my life or my job right now that i could have foreseen happening but i can tell you i didn't a year ago i didn't see myself in the role or the, that i am in right now or doing any of the things that i'm doing right yeah. now which well you know, to
0: be completely fair some of them just didn't exist so they didn't
1: exist <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's true um, but. I think as a planner, that is challenging for me to sit here and completely admit that nothing I planned for myself happened the way I wanted it to, yet here I am still trying to plan for the rest sure. of my career.
2: So it yeah. seems
1: a little silly. But I think at least having ambitions and having... I think I knew enough five years ago. I don't want to say five years ago. Let's say four years ago when I made that shift to Salesforce. I, I think I made the right Mm-hmm. I came to Salesforce for the right reasons. God, that makes sure. sense like a bachelor. But had
2: <laughs> <laughs> the right reasons that
1: I wanted, learn from smart people, develop expertise, have that flexibility to move internally. Like, Those are a good reason to make a career choice. I think the reasons I made my career choice to go to that startup were, were where I was like, oh, it needs to be a company, like a product I'm passionate about or like an industry that I'm really like, no, I don't think those were the right things the right way to be thinking about my career, I think it was a much better thing for me personally to think about what skills do I want to build and what type of environment Mm, do I want to be in. That's a better way to think about career choices than I'm passionate about theater. So let me go be at a theater technology company.
2: Sure. Sure. If those exist
1: though, I want to find them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for
0: sure. So here's the thing, like I agree with you but I also know that there's a world where if you didn't go to that startup, you wouldn't have Absolutely. gone to Dolores Park.
1: And yeah, it happens for a reason. I also don't think that I would have been as marketable as a marketer to get mm-hmm. into Salesforce. I, sure. I couldn't get that job. Right? There were jobs yeah. I could not get right out of business school because sure. I didn't yeah. have. I was unproven. That being said, I think I could have thought differently about how to get that yeah. first job because. Sure. I didn't have to do all off-campus recruiting, but yeah. the reason I did that was because I wasn't passionate about the companies that were coming to campus. No, I should have right. thought, like, what skills can I learn at these right. companies from really smart people? Yeah. But again, I don't regret it. Like that, sure. all that being said, no. I don't regret how I got to where I am. I just think that if someone's listening to this and is is looking for advice on how they should think about their first job out of business school, I would say think more about what skills you can learn and who you're learning from, then is this the exact industry or role that you're passionate about? Because you could get that and that might not
0: be... And also too, I think the one thing that you did get from that first role that was invaluable was the title of PMM, which in and of of itself, probably, even if it hadn't been Salesforce, would have helped you land somewhere else, which could have been just as good. And so...
1: You're absolutely right. And I remember actually having an informational interview with the woman who hired me at Salesforce. This was before I had applied, but like somebody else connected us. And I asked her, I was like, what advice do you have for someone who is trying to grow their career in product marketing? And she was like, get that title. You need that title at a company like Salesforce, like Google, whatever it is. Don't think so much about the specifics of the role. So to this day, I still can't tell if she told me that because she really believed it or because she knew she had a role she wanted me to interview for that I might not otherwise look at, which was this content product marketing role that I wasn't that jazzed about. I was like, I don't know that I care so much about creating content, but I wanted the product marketing title. I knew that Salesforce was the type of place where I could build those skills, develop that expertise, and then pivot. And I have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let me preface this by saying that the reason why you got the job is because of your capabilities and your competency. But that said, the one thing I will say is this person, I remember, also emailed me asking, like, hey, do you think she's capable of doing the job? And I was like, absolutely. Like, so she would Al be is awesome. the reason I got the job. <laughs> no, but, but the reason, not at all. It had nothing to do with me. But the reason why I bring that up is because what's so tricky sometimes, particularly about Uh, these career changes or the job search in general is that if you think about what helped you land that job, right? Like part of it is, some of the things you probably learned in business school in terms of making sure your resume was updated, making sure your LinkedIn was updated, making sure you're actually looking at the job posting and that you're aligning your skills and abilities to what the role is. But then there's this whole set of things that happened that were so out of your control and that were so just or the universe just working in weird ways, right? Putting you at Dolores Park, putting yeah. Perotio, Jason Procho <laughs> next to <laughs> us, connecting you guys, having the hiring manager being someone who I knew. actually that I knew. And I was and, even
1: connected to her completely separately from how you connected me to Jay. There was just too many s- things.
0: Y- sure. And it's part of the reason why I I love this story so much. And you know, obviously it helped your career as being one, but also because it's, you can do all the right things. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many other things that sometimes just of, of life that just happen. And sometimes they don't break your way, but I, I do believe like, to what you did in terms of putting yourself out there. I'm a big believer that, yeah, like luck is not always evenly distributed, but the people who yeah. put themselves out there the most, and, and as they say, as the kids say, shoot their shot and are the do ones who- throw away
1: th- their shot.
0: Who, or do not throw away their shot. There we go. Marketers on fire right now. Put themselves in opportunities where, where sometimes luck does happen. I think yeah. you're
1: absolutely right. I think that there was 100% elements of luck here, but that wouldn't have mattered if I didn't also
2: do whatever exactly. I
1: could. I had to still put in all of the things that I needed to do and all of the work that I needed to do on the resume, the preparing for the interviews, having the conversations, mm-hmm. but also like being a competent human being Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, any amount absolutely. of luck is just what pushed it over the edge sure. or connected the dot. But yeah, I forgot that she reached out to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's funny how the world works. You've been at Salesforce for a while now, but about a year ago, maybe a little bit over a year ago. Uh, you decided to leave the unfriendly realm of San Francisco and move back to the East Coast. I'm just I'm half joking, um, but you moved back to the East Coast. Yes. Obviously, your family's there. would mm-hmm. just love to know just in general, just how did you think about that? Like, how do you think about that within the context of your life and career, mm-hmm. even in terms of making that move back to the East Coast?
1: Yeah, I will caveat all this by saying all these decisions were made pre-pandemic. So yes. it was a very mm-hmm. different Thought process than I think I would have made today. I was, when I moved out to San Francisco, I told myself I'd probably be there for two to three years. I never saw it as permanent. I saw it as something I wanted to try. I ended up being there for about three and a half years, really staying longer because I loved my team. I loved the people I was working with and going into the office on a day to day basis. And I did think it would negatively impact my career to leave headquarters and to leave San Francisco. So I seriously considered it for a year. I think my last year in San Francisco. 2019 I knew the whole year that I wouldn't stay and a lot of that was for for personal reasons for family reasons but I felt like I I couldn't like quite pull the trigger yet but I knew like this is my last time my last year and yeah I was just at that point prepared to weigh any consequences that it might have had for my professional life were worth it for me to be back closer to family and closer to home and now all that being said like I was keeping my same job, like nothing. Like I had conversations with my manager, with my leadership, like nothing was changing about my role. I was just concerned that I wouldn't be thought of for different positions or wouldn't be thought of for opportunities because I wasn't going to be where the rest of leadership was or where the team was. And so I moved. But again, that was a worthwhile decision for me personally, because I wanted to prioritize my personal life. I moved back January 30th, 2020. I only made it into the office for about three weeks in New York before everything shut down. And then it really didn't matter where I was. So I think it's actually really ended up being good. My timing worked out personally for me. And now I think the dynamics are very different. It doesn't quite matter where you are. And now it turns out my leadership is East Coast based because things change. So I think everybody needs to weigh their options According to what matters to them. I don't think it's like a one size fits all approach to how to make these types of decisions. But at the end of the day, I knew for me, I needed to prioritize my personal life and whatever happened. Like I was okay with whatever that meant for my career. And I think I'm just at the point in my career where I'm like, you know what? I've done the things I want to do that. I needed to do so that if it gets negatively impacted by this decision that's okay. I'll deal with it. I'll handle it. And yeah, I think even being in New York during a pandemic, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so grateful to be home and to be near family that like it was 100% the right decision. I I'm I'm, val- I'm grateful for my time in San Francisco. Like I don't think I would have ended up at Salesforce had I sure. not had that experience yeah. in San Francisco. But yeah, it was a big decision. That ended up being not so big big when, when uh, working remotely ended up equalizing everything for everybody.
0: For sure. And, but what I think to me that is, is, is striking about that is you obviously couldn't have predicted what was going to happen with the pandemic, but at the end of the day, it was really mostly about just figuring out what were the most important things to you and how do you make the best decision that, that aligns to that. Exactly. And I think. Fortunately, is to the point you made, like there, it looks like there's going to start to be a little bit of a shift in terms of how companies think about things like performance management and promotion, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly with large distributed or large organizations or multinational organizations. But I think probably, I assume probably when you were thinking about this a year ago, that was something that was top of mind to the point you made in terms of traditionally, if you're not in sales a lot of the action, hap- or or customer success, or any customer-facing kind of role, a lot of the action on, and a lot of the projects and a lot of the priorities and a lot of the promotions okay. going back to Hamilton, the room where it happens. So you got to be in
1: the room where it happens, and Like, and that's
0: and that's headquarters, and wow. so if there's that's there, but and I think that's changing, but it will still take some time, but. There's also a decision point that you also had to think about and make in terms of acknowledging that just because you chose to move to New York didn't mean that you weren't going to get promoted. It's not mutually exclusive in that regard. But there was a decision that you had to make in terms of feeling comfortable that knowing what you know about how these things are made. Mm That that's something that you're okay with. Yeah. And that's something you're comfortable with. And that there, as a result of that, you will get a whole slew of other things, but that was a trade-off that you were willing. Yeah. To.
1: And it's about understanding what your comfort level is with those mm-hmm. things. And I think I, yeah, it, as I mentioned, it took me about a year. It was like, right. it took me a year of really seriously considering it to feel really, again, going back to just this gut feeling and when I finally made the decision that I was ready to move, it happened within a month. So it was a year of thinking about it. And then literally everything happened in exactly a month. And again, it was a very worthwhile decision in the end, but it was not without a lot of thought and consideration and some heartburn going back and forth. But it was absolutely the right decision for me.
0: And not only that, but you also did get promoted.
1: Yeah, but that was an and I think there's just but here's the thing like so many things changed in this last year. Right. Like, right. I I can't, I don't know. I don't think there's cause and effect on anything no, anymore. But that's,
0: <laughs> right, but that, but, and that's what's interesting about it. Right? And listen, like, I have nothing against getting promoted. I think it's great. And people should, if that's what they want, they should absolutely do that. But I think what, and part of the reason why I, I like talking with you about this is that you focused on the things that you wanted and thought were important and optimized for that. And guess what? As a result of that, like it worked out. And oh, by the way, like you happen to get promoted. And, and that's great.
1: You right? bring yeah. up a good point. I remember talking to somebody on my team who wasn't on in San Francisco. He was on the East Coast. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking of making this choice. He was like, you absolutely have to do it because when you are happy in the broader parts of your life, like the rest, whatever else happens doesn't matter, right? Like things mm-hmm. will fall into place or shit will happen yeah. at work and you won't care as much because you're, you're happy where you are. And it was really what I needed to hear to know, yeah, like I I can prioritize my personal life and what matters to me. And I think that's a really difficult thing to reconcile with when you are really career driven, because
2: it is. I made yeah. the
1: decision to move to San Francisco for my career. I made the decision to go to business school for my career. And then to all of a sudden make these decisions that could potentially negatively impact your career. It's an interesting turning point to to get to where you're like, yeah, I no longer want to prioritize those things because that's not what makes me happy anymore. But it's, I think it's really important to give yourself the space to think about that and to recognize that and to change those things Did right. change for me. And that's completely okay.
0: Yeah, no, we did. <laughs> but but the reason and and why I love talking about it is because, and I know you have these conversations too with your friends, but there's another one of our mutual friends who we talked about earlier, Jason, who's I think so highly of him. He's three levels above me. And, and we graduated the same year. And there are definitely times, and I say this in the nicest way, I'm like, damn, I'm three like layers shittier than what Jason is. Am I behind?
1: But what choices did he make in his life? Exactly. That that that's what he's prioritizing. And that's right.
0: And and, no, exactly. And he does like deserves that title, if not even more, because he's worked so hard for it and has delivered in so many different ways. But what and that's one example of it. But I know I have so many of these conversations with other people out there where they're like, am I behind? Am. And yeah,
1: I think that it's really easy to think ahead behind because we're right. so used to, you go to school for 12 or yeah. whatever many years with the same yeah. people in the same grade. And you're like, what yeah. do you do, you progress from one grade to the next grade to the next.
2: Right. And right.
1: then you get let out into a career and it's like, letting the horses out of the gate and they just run and
2: yes, yes.
1: And you, but it's, and it feels normal to continue to compare yourself to the people that were
0: in your grade.
1: But the reality is that everybody is making such different choices that take them there's no it's no longer a straight path right it is curved it is a jungle gym it is a playground and some people decide to go on the monkey bars and some people decide to go on the swing set and that doesn't mean one is a better decision than the other but right it i'm not saying i don't also compare myself to other people who are my age or by year but i think it's helpful to take a step back and think Am I happy with the decisions that I made to get me to where I am? Yeah. And I can't think about, because I don't know that I would be happy with making the same decision that somebody else made to get them where they are.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah. You can't optimize for someone else's life.
1: Yeah. That was a very succinct way to say the whole monkey bar analogy. So thank you for
0: no, that. I, I still like the monkey bar analogy. It brought back good memories of the recess when I was in middle school. So I, it's not all for not. We've danced around this, but I would love to just ask you straight up now. How do you think about just like career development in general now? Mm. What is what is your process? Or also just how has that, as we talked about it, it sounds like it's evolved a little bit, but mm. just what are your thoughts on it right now?
1: Um, How do I think about career development? I think I do still think about it as in terms of what skills do I want to build instead of, I think I used to think of it as what do I need to do to get to the next level? To your point, I was very much like, I want to get promoted, what I need to do. And then I think since moving back and making that conscious decision to not prioritize that, instead, the way I think about career development is what skills do I need to build to do whatever it is that I want to do next. I think the other thing that happens for me personally is thinking more about the soft skills and the hard skills. I think I've been really fortunate now to quote unquote make the rounds in marketing to have tried a little bit of everything. I still haven't done everything. I still haven't done everything wonderfully by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I've scratched the surface of a number of different areas. And now when I think about the areas that I'm like really focusing on and want to work on, they tend to be... More of the soft skills, not the work that you do, but how you make people feel is the way one person put it. And I'm now managing a team. And so that's a totally different area of my own career development that I'm trying to uncover and work on continually because it's really freaking It's sure. really hard. But I think about it for my team too. I want them to build the skills that they need for what whatever skills they want, for whatever they want to go and do not check the boxes on what I need them to do to be in their existing role, because it's more important to me that they have the careers that they want, whether that's on my team, outside my team or outside the company, than it is for them to just be checking the boxes on the things that I need them to do today. Like that's not fulfilling. It wouldn't be fulfilling for me. So I can't imagine it's fulfilling for somebody else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would be curious to know, what do you think about or how do you define your like success now? What is What does that look like for you? Or how do you evaluate yourself on that?
1: Oh, wow. I think for me, success is what I'm just proud of the work that I've done or proud of whatever it is that's just happened. So whether that's a project that I've completed or a conversation that I've had that was difficult, but went really well, or someone on my team getting promoted. Not that I want to take away from they did the work, but like, I'm like, oh, like, I'm really proud of that outcome. I'm really proud of how that went and how I think that's a very different way of measuring success than my go-getter MBA self would have said five years ago, coming out of business school, which success, I think I would have told you would be getting a high paying job, getting promoted quickly, becoming a leader. So I think success to me right now is much more about am I feeling fulfilled than am I checking a box? Because I think I've seen myself check the boxes and then be like, now what? Whereas when I have that feeling of fulfillment or or pride, in something that I've done or somebody else on my team has done that I've helped them get to do. That actually is what I fill out my gratitude journal at the end of the night. That's what I'm putting in the book right. as opposed to like yeah, something more superficial.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. And this has been a wonderful conversation and I really enjoy it. And just to maybe wrap up here, Jody, you've had lots of... Career conversations and coached a lot of folks in career conversations in a lot of different capacities. I would love to know what advice do you have for MBA graduates or soon to be MBA graduates who are about to re-enter the workforce, and many will be changing careers or entering a new, you know, field or industry or function. What kind of advice would you give to them as they, you know, start their post MBA careers around just general, just like career
2: development?
1: Don't graduate. No. But if you have to graduate, my advice for people just graduating from their MBA and embarking on their career is to really think more holistically about what is fulfilling for you personally, as opposed to what looks good on your LinkedIn profile or on your resume. Sure. Because you'll fill out that resume and your LinkedIn profile without, without a problem. But is that really going to help you go to sleep at night with a smile on your face and sleep soundly because of that? And so I think one way, one tangible thing to think about or way to approach that is to think about the skills that you want to build and the things that you want to learn and approach your career that way, as opposed to approaching your career in terms of what title do I want or what hotshot company's name do I want on my resume? Think about what you genuinely want to learn and understand. And you'll naturally grow and get where you want to get that way. But I think it's a bit more fulfilling than the, you know, aim for the, shoot for the title approach, which I've done. So I, I just say this from experience.
0: Sure. Um, sure. Jody Interfield, class of, 2016, mm-hmm. Ross, uh, thank blue. you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking about post-MBA life. It was a pleasure. Thanks,
1: Thanks for having me, Al.
0: Hi, everyone. Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.